Tobias Carlyle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com. Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. Uh, we're live. Are you sure? <laughs> no. <laughs> Had to hack space and time. It's all, it's all a bit weird. We're there. <laughs> it's uh, it's way, we're way, way late. Sorry, folks. Forty-five minutes late. It's uh, it's eleven fifteen on the. West Coast, uh, I don't even know what that makes it, 2.15 on the, on the East the Coast. the level of excellence that you've come to expect from this crew. That's right. I, don't come here looking for tech savvy. I'm totally know, spent trying I to know. put... <laughs> Listen, I know we need merch. I am, there is a part of me, this is embarrassing to admit, I know that I seem like a man that has all this shit together. I have no idea how to run an internet store. I am embarrassed of failing and having a terrible uh, looking store. It's part of why it's not done. I, it's an unacceptable answer, but it's honest, so that is it's it. Hard, it's hard to imagine how we missed Fang if, uh, with, this, with this tech skill. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. I'm 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 totally spent after trying to hack the back end of this yeah, of this beast. So I think he's got flop sweat for days right now. Just, yeah, he came in here sweaty, and after all this, it's just you're gonna need shot, water. Shot. Yeah. We might as well go into the intro, I guess. Yeah, huh? let's do it. Yeah. This is value after after hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm one of your hosts, Bill Brewster. Here with my esteemed colleagues, Jake Taylor and Toby Carlisle. Jake, what are you going to be talking about today? Uh, I'm going to cover slime molds and capital allocation. Alrighty, I've seen some of those companies in the past. And Toby, you'll be talking about? <laughs> yeah, so Massa Sun has gone absolutely bananas. He's had this monster bet on a variety of stocks. I don't know exactly, but they mentioned in the article that I read Amazon... Um, Netflix and Microsoft. He's had a fifty billion notional, which is like four billion dollars in premium in calls, on top of the four billion dollars in stock that he owns. Absolutely swung for the fences, which just like Buffett tells you to do when you get a little bit behind, just yes. go for it on yeah, margin. Double down in the in the options, swing for it, and if you blow up, then that's what happens. No, he doesn't that, say that at all. I think I think that that yeah that was the that was the eighty three letter. Yeah. That oh, was, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure that one out. And I'm going to talk a little bit about creativity in the equity market. So, uh, with that, who wants to start? Toby, let's let's get the good stuff. Yeah, yeah let's talk massa. So, uh, massa. There's been an enormous amount of option speculation in some of the frothier names and some of the techier names, and there's been this um, that the the whale. The Nasdaq whale, and nobody really knew who or what the Nasdaq whale was. One of the conspiracy theories was it's an associate of Musk's, you know, putting these gigantic calls in way above the market in Tesla stock, which which makes uh, there's some delta hedging. So if you're the person on the other side of that call, if you're a market maker and you've you've or you're a bank or someone and you've made that call, in order to hedge yourself, you have to get long the stock, which in turn pushes the stock up. And it's this self 
reinforcing cycle. Okay, and, and taking a step back, Toby, that's because when you are selling the calls to to the counterparty, you're negative the delta, so you buy the stock to offset your negative exposure. Right. You're correct? hedging yourself. That's right. There you go. Okay. And so if if somebody big comes to a bank and says, "I want to do this big option trade," you can't turn them away. You, you, you've got to take the other side of that bed. You've got to try and lay it off as much as you possibly can. And one of the ways is by buying the stock long. So there was this conspiracy theory. It's pr- it, it clearly, it's it's now been shown that it was probably Massa in there buying. But, you know, it's Massa with a whole lot of Robin Hood behind him. So Massa's like $4 billion long. But then Robin Hood is like another $50 billion, not in the notional $50 billion in premium. So like he's a big mm. portion of that market, but not that entire market. But... It's come out on Friday in the Wall Street Journal and a few other places that it's, it, he's the one who's been behind all of this. Presumably because he got a little bit behind, he's had WeWork and a few other little stubbed his toe on a few other things and uh, maybe he's trying to play catch up. And so one of the comments that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting was Mass's um, not so much a tech visionary as a speculator. Do you think that's fair given... Given this latest trade, Ooh, I don't know. I'm not gonna that whoever that is on the Twitter machine that goes under Massa Sun Cap. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to make enemies. <laughs> you think that's Massa? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, dude, I have no idea. It's uh, that certainly it feels Icarusy, doesn't it? I Yellow. feel like we have to know a lot more about strikes and before we can say a whole lot, right? Like we're do, on a pod. We don't dude. know where they're. Do, I know. You just gotta speculate wildly takes there was also (laughs) some suggestion that he might have sold some calls to get into those positions so you sell the calls further out of the money and so that's where you would sell the stock presumably and so you kind of fund the the calls a little bit which is pretty smart trade like that's not and there's no reason why vertical spread for those at home there's no reason why putting those trades on isn't a good trade it's just uh it's match month there was different durations didn't have the detail in the article that i read wall street journal come on yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. That options market, that's some scary shit if you don't know what you're doing. I think so it's I scary if you people, do know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I had a buddy that called me up, and he's like, I think this stock's going up, and I'm going to buy the calls. I said, do you have any idea what happens if volatility comes in on you on that stock? And he was like, what's that? I said, don't do it. <laughs> do not do it. <laughs> you're paying a lot for the air there. Yeah, well, there's yeah, a... That brings up a good point, though, like... You know, Tesla today now is, I don't know what the latest is, but off 16 or 17 It's back to where it was on like 11 August. It's back to where it was yeah, a month but, ago. <laughs> but the pe- I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential for, you know, schadenfreude in this game. And uh, I think it, we, would, we would be doing a good service if we encourage people not to, to take too many victory laps here. And, yeah, I mean... I, I honestly, you can kind of feel bad for the people, even though I know there was like a lot of overconfidence going into it and a lot of like kind of YOLO, uh, what seemed like, bro, uh, are we saying that people are dunking on people because of one day? Because last time I checked, it's still doubled since February 21st, which was a pretty high point. Yeah. But there's probably a lot of people who are in calls there that are going to expire and yeah, no doubt. they thought no it doubt. was going to keep going and that like those are going to be huge losses and, and probably more likely like money that those people actually needed uh so I, i'm just saying like here's a chance to be a little bit more compassionate human and uh you know not feel this game is humbling and unfortunately some people are going to be learning that the hard way so let's let's try to like 
lift each other up instead of just tear each other this down. This is part of what my beef is with my perception of Robin Hood's fundamental product, right? My perception, which is not truth, but it's perception, is that they tend to benefit uh, from driving a little bit riskier behavior, such as margin loans and trading options. And people that don't know what they're doing, which I'm sorry, if you are recruiting, if you're growing that fast, I find it hard to believe that the uh, pool of investment professionals is just like going to your product. It's on average people that are less sophisticated. That is a dangerous fucking combination. That's why I'm trying to use whatever voice that I have on Twitter to say like, do not do this shit, especially now, especially chasing froth. Like people are probably, I don't know, I know that I said something that really triggered Mr. Lieberman once. Uh, I apologize if you have done all your due diligence and you've determined that the new price is the price to buy at. A lot of people aren't doing that. Don't play that game. That's my message. Uh, you've got a good little charitable thing going on at the moment, Bill. You should talk about that, and I'll stick the link in the show notes again. Oh, yeah. Well, we mentioned it the other day, so I got I got Curate Retail doesn't group, have to be the, the bit, jugger- just, the, just, the, uh, just yeah. the link so we can... Well, yeah, we will, Keep but the, you know, the juggernaut that's QVC is up against Zoom. It was it was rough out of the gate. Whew. Yeah, he took one right on the chin. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's <laughs> value. That's value. 50% oh down out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, I uh. that I didn't expect. Here, I just thought that this is kind of a cool financial transaction and uh, a better than perceived business, and I didn't realize that Zoom would go add $40 billion in market cap at on i think it was day one yeah yeah yeah, yeah good timing on that one whatever that 40 billions value just like today's loss in tesla's value i think it's i think it's funny that the trade or the bet reflected both of you both of you guys thought you had the best side of the bet because because uh austin thought that he's like well they're going to announce results like the next day and the results going to be out, good yeah. and the stock's going to be up a lot and you thought because you're a fundamental guy you're like Still well think. There's going to be three Christmases, so there's going to be three opportunities for, like, <laughs> not knowing you're going to be fifty percent behind on day two. Yeah, that's that's right. Like I remember he, I think he said that uh he wanted the 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 bet to end in like the middle of February, and I was like, no, 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 I got to report it wrong. wrong. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Just just going back to what yeah. JT said, this is one of the things that I've learned from being in this market for a long time is that. In relation to momentum in particular, you can't short it or, you know, just speak against it on the way up because you look like an idiot. And Tesla's a good example of that. And then when it reverses course, you can't do that because you look cruel. You just, yeah, it's a good opportunity a to be thing. stoic. Yeah, I mean, there's the shorts, I mean, based on the short interest that like plummeted rapidly as Tesla went parabolic, obviously, uh, like they've gotten nuked too. So there's no, like there aren't any winners here except for the people who cashed out and then probably insiders who have sold it at these nosebleed prices. Uh, but fair, Musk was saying like a long time ago he thought the stock was way ahead of itself. So, yeah. I mean, as much as I got beef with him, uh, even he was saying like, yo, calm down here. And Something the funny is, thing is, it's a better, it's a much better opportunity like now than it was. Three X from where it still is. Where, yeah, when he that's said right. That. But but at the funny thing, at the peak, right? It's a, from now to the the peak, which is what to a week ago. The the opportunity is so much better now because now they got five billion dollars in the skyrocket. They got five yeah, billion in the pocket. Good for him. I was right. He should yeah. have raised more. 
not just well, you can raise what you can. Of, right? I know a lot of y'all knew that. I'm not trying to say I was right because they were gonna they they've got it done at the market, which everybody was like, that's a bit weird. You think Masa was the one that was taking it down to try to juice his calls? <laughs> Probably. Oh Why not? <laughs> yeah, I know. You got a bank. <laughs> I just forgot. I'll was... tell you what's wild. Um, first of all, shout out to Vitaly. He wrote a funny article. Uh, I think it was like last week or whatever when he was like, Tesla now has space exploration in its, uh, you know, embedded in its valuation. That was a good one. Um, the one thing that I think that has really caught a lot of value guys off guard over the last five or whatever years, and I'm, I'm about to speak negatively, negatively of my beloved Liberty Complex, um, but like I asked at one of those meetings uh, whether or not Spotify, I asked the, I, I can't remember his name, I'm pretty sure his first name is Jim, but whether or not Spotify was a threat to, to Sirius XM. And I think that uh, he said that he didn't think so and that radio was sort of has always been there. To me, it's a share of ear game. And if you don't think that like Spotify is a risk, I'm, I'm not sure that I mean, maybe he, maybe I didn't ask the question the right way. Maybe he would agree with that, to that. But just generally speaking, the the incentive for some of these companies to go out and like have a burn the field, but just like go get market share when people have such patient capital because there is not a huge opportunity cost of capital right now. It's one of those like buffetisms. I may not know who wins, but I know to short the people in front of the train. Um, or at that least doesn't get sound off very the buffet -like. <laughs> No, he did. He said when the when when the yeah. car was invented, you don't have to you, know the which... easier bet to yeah. was to short horses, right? Yeah. Rather than like know that the car which car manufacturer is gonna win. So just sort of interesting to keep in mind when you're underwriting stuff. Yeah, you didn't have to know which car company was going to win to to be to know that you wanted to be short the horse. Yeah. Uh, the other thing and we I, should mention is Tesla missed the uh, was to where well, there was some question whether it would be included in the S and P 500, and it needed it's. And by question the, you mean rampant speculation. <laughs> there was a lot of speculation, <laughs> yeah. But there was a there was uh, there was some. It, it has met the technical details, which was. One of them was four quarters of, of uh, profitability. And so they could have been included. But this is one of the dirty secrets of the S&P 500. It's managed by a committee. It's not purely passive. And uh, they've done this before. They, they've, they've elected not to include Tesla, just so everybody knows. But they've done this before. With They did it with Google because Google ramped and then was was should have been included. They didn't do it. And then I think they ended up including them like 20% higher at least. It could have been 70% higher, something like that. So... There's still hope, Tesla guys. They could include it. They could include it next year. That's some that's some meta stuff right there. If you're like buying the calls to drive the share up to hoping that to hope that it would get included, that's like a, that's stock a market game operator. that you won't see this that guy playing. Fundamental 101. Yeah, that's stock you market operations. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, if you're playing that game, you don't have to be a fundamentals guy, right? Like, I mean, there are ways that certain people win in that game without. Uh, now, I will never play that game but that it that would be win that would be really wild if that was a peek into like what actually happened there would be a part of me that would be like dude that's i kind of respect that but i also don't respect it i mean it's something <laughs> ramp it into it, it is something, something. <laughs> some jesse livermore shit right yeah. there yeah All i right. don't agree with you but i respect the hell out of you
That's right. That's exactly right. Like, I'm not getting in the water with you, but I, I respect the game that you're playing. There's a meeting on 921 where they discuss Tesla again. Okay. Ooh. Oh, the S&P? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I won't hold my breath. But I've been wrong on it before. I'll be wrong again. So, by calls is what you're saying? YOLO calls, I- yeah. Well, dude, but that's the thing, right? So you, so the first order thought is like, oh, boy, puts have got to be cheap. But that's what I was saying about Vol, right? Like, no, they don't at all. This all may be priced into the option, and you may be right on the direction and just get crushed on the option trade. So do not play that game unless you know what you're doing. Yeah, you yep. can get it going both ways, too. That's what you want. I've tried to do Cheap that shit no on that stock. I've, I've tried to sell iron condors because they've been like super wide, right? So I'm selling the put spread and the call spread on both sides. And then it just like blows uh, through on both yeah. sides. And I'm like, all right, I'm 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 out of this thing. I tried to just like harvest the vol, get screwed, try to be long the puts, get screwed. I'm, I'm out of it. I, just I never think, want to talk about you it. You can't do anything in popular <laughs> stocks. That's what I've always found. Anything I ever try to do in a popular stock, I just get, I've just done it wrong. I just do it in the stuff that nobody's looking at. Kind of sometimes it works. Yeah. I I was saying to you guys earlier for you Momo Bros, Fastly is trading pretty pretty strong today if you like that relative strength game. Is it trading fastly? Uh I think it's just playing it's it's trading hardly. <laughs> What's with the lees at the end of these names? Uh, like it's the I think that Paul Graham said it's the uh, it's the mullet of uh of names the L It's like a second grader name this shit. Like what do we want the website to do? We want it to go faster. Oh, Fastly. Or if I, mean, I, have... if I, that's you know, Spotify. Yeah, if I it or you, Lee it. Shopify. Yeah. Intensify. The I like, though. I like me some Shopify and some Spotify. The Lees, I don't know. Maybe it's just a name thing. I've never liked Lees. Actually, there was two Lees I liked. <laughs> Shout out to the Lees out there. <laughs> uh, Who knows? Whose topic is it? Folks? I don't know. We've been drinking the whole time. Yeah, Bill, you want to do? Do want to no, talk about creativity no, or think? No, let's talk about slime. All right, let's get slimy. Some veggie time. All right. The uh, so <clears throat> slime molds are these blobs that are that are created out of single cell amoebas that then Voltron together to become <laughs> these slime molds. And, you know, you'll find them in soil or in, uh, you know, like a rotted out tree stump or something. Can we talk but, about what Voltroning together means? It sounds like they just, like, come together. Nice Topo yeah, Chico. Like, yeah, the Topo. I need the Topo. Very to, efficient. Uh, we need to be sponsored by Topo. Um, it's like Coke money. So what ends up, yeah, they're they're the single cell amoebas, but they join together to create these molds that, like, will look like a mushroom it'll be like a you know some of them will basically almost sacrifice themselves into this structure um so that out at the tip they will release these spores that typically will get picked up by an insect or something and moved um and and they they trigger this behavior whenever uh they start getting low on food and so the the amoebas they eat bacteria um so to avoid starving they they voltron together to to change and, and increase their chances of survival. So they're trying to shift now, the entire. They're trying to move the, the 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 culture somewhere else. They're trying to move the organism or the organism somewhere else. So yeah. they they band together to hope that some of the genetic code keeps on going somewhere else. Exactly, and so everyone focused on this you know emergent social behavior that they're doing, and they missed the fact that 
there were a bunch of these little slime molds or, or amoebas who didn't join the mold and they hung out away from it. The value yeah, investors. Everybody was wondering, like, <laughs> they all got killed. <laughs> yeah. So, the uh, there's this there's this evolutionary biologist at Princeton whose name was Karina Tarnida, and she discovered that these all of these uh, particular amoebas would hang out, and she would go and like she sampled a bunch of them and determined that it was actually like a genetically uh, induced behavior. So, which meant that there could be some selection bias for it. So, some of them, uh, just based on their their wiring from their DNA, choose not to join the slime mold. So, now it seems counterintuitive that if you don't help, that you know you're just going to sit there and starve. And like, why? You know, where where would be the selection pressure for that? But what ends up happening is that they, if the food is to come back suddenly then these guys are in prime position because they didn't actually join the structure and, and harden up, like physically change shapes uh, so that they can't then take advantage of the new food supply. So, you, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of leap to start thinking about like capital cycle theory and, you know, when does your cap allocator decide to deploy their resources? Uh, so, you know, uh, William Thorndike famously in The Outsiders was talking about how they're, these these cap allocators are they're iconoclastic, and that's another word for loner. Uh, and these loner amoeba, uh, there's a lot of overlap there. Uh, you know, they choose not to to participate in the social, you know, whatever what the the herd is doing, uh, what the slime is doing, and they hang out and wait, uh, and then conditions change, and now all of a sudden they're in in the driver's seat. So uh, the other thing I wanted to talk through was. The Pat Dorsey has this really good slide that's talking about how uh, that that cap allocation, as a, like someone who's good at it, is a, a rich source of market inefficiency. And the, the reasons why are uh, number one, it's unpredictable. So they, you know, it's really hard to model a good cap allocation. You know, if you're a Wall Street analyst. Number two, it's unconventional. So a lot of times they're creating value through acquisitions, which is uh, not the norm. Uh, normally, acquisitions end up being value destructive for the the acquirer. Um, number three, they're lumpy, so they'll end up with uh, you know the value creation ends up being financially messy, and you know it tends to come in spurts, and they'll do buybacks in big chunks, you know, tender offers. Um, so it's 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 very it's non-linear often. Um, and then the fourth thing was that they're patient, so they don't they're not focused on meeting short-term uh, short-term projections. And he ties it all together with this really nice saying that, that structurally low-balled market expectations create enormous opportunity. Um, so, you know, we can almost think about our, our heroes of cap allocation as being these, the loner in the, in the slime mold paradigm. <laughs> if put, we really want to torture our biology. Going to get that quote on the cover of the next book. I think I, I'm. I love that analogy, and uh, I think that that's very apt for for investing. Just who who is it? Who's um, is it? Pat Dorsey saying that the, these guys are sort of chronically, or is it Thorndike or Dorsey saying these guys are undervalued, or this strategy sort of undervalued the capital allocation guys? Dorsey says that it's it's structurally uh, ignored or underappreciated um, from a market perspective because of those those traits uh and then thorndike you know like did a bunch of uh vignettes of different cap allocators and what they have in common 
I I have a little bit of trouble accepting that honestly. Like I I kind of think that there's you can these if these companies are run optimally, then that's about as well as they can go. And all of the all of the outsider guys do is run these companies optimally. And most other businesses in the market are run by folks who are either not good at capital allocation or they're more more interested in making more money for themselves. Like there's there's just other issues rather than it being some superpower that you need to. I think it's that you know Graham calls it double counting when you the company's doing really well plus they've got management who are really good. Yeah, well, you think that they're good because the company's going well, but let's look at this thing, yeah. trough cycle, see how if you still think they're geniuses then. Right. Well, I'll tell you who is managing pretty well right now is the guys at Transdime. I mean, you know, you, they, and and I think Heiko too, uh, but like what's interesting about Transdime to me more than Heiko, just from like a financial story perspective is uh like they have so much leverage, right? So all of this, you know, shit hit the fan in March. They went out and raised money and they brought like four billion of cash on the balance sheet. And now you like like it, it has been interesting to watch those guys manage liquidity through the game and make sure like because I think I've said it before, right? But you go bankrupt when you run out of liquidity. I mean, no nobody really goes bankrupt on debt. It's it's when you no longer have the liquidity to justify refining. Um, and then on the back end, and Heiko could do this too. I mean, Heiko sort of does it through what I think, uh, you know, asshole finance people would call lazy balance sheet, right? Because it's not like super That's my That's my favorite time. line. Lazy yeah. balance sheet. That's, that's a, what I like. To, I like a lazy we balance sheet. went to a family company once and, and somebody I was- I call that yeah. resilient. Yeah. Yeah, well, not, that's somebody was lazy. like, you got a lazy balance sheet. And the guy's like, I run a family company, bro. Like- <laughs> It's not it's not lazy. It's just called secure. Um, but anyway, you know, it's it's sort of it's different. It's cool to watch. Um, I, but and it'll be interesting to see. I think they'll both have capital allocation potential on the back end of this because I suspect the rest of the supply chain is not. You know who also has got a ready. big chunk of capital on the balance sheet right now is Musk. Uh, yeah, so I thought here I thought you were gonna say the buff dog, but well, Buffett does too. Fair. But I was like to give to give Musk credit, like he's he's held on until it got to this point, then knocked out five at the market right before it falls over. Like, yeah, pretty, good, for pretty him, good, man. That Probably was, that top, was awesome. Top it. Credit where it's due. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah that's right. Close. I like how due. that works. How do those at the money raises work? Do you understand the? I mean, another question is: can you get a direct listing on Robinhood and people buy them? <laughs> Well, another question is: I hope that, that when that, when did they find the bankrupt out? Ones, that's directly to one firm. When did they find that out that they weren't going to be included? Factual. All opinion. This is for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> when did they find out? Yeah, that they weren't going to be included. Friday night. Friday night, I think. After the placement was closed. Okay. Fair. That's dope. Good for him. Good move. I'll tell you what: if if the stock craters and he buys it back in, ooh. That'll be even. I'll have to get. No, props they on. need the money. They need the money. They can't buy it back at this point. There's no buybacks when Not you have right like now. twenty factories to still you buy, build. You buy it back at seventy dollars a share. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying just wait until it comes in. Twenty percent is nothing on this company. Like, Why would you buy back your own factories when you could buy Fiat's factories for so much cheaper? That's a good point. I don't know, but I know that the world will give you the debt. So retire the shares. That's a good point too. That's your answer to everything. Just <laughs> that's right. That flip Lazy it to the balance Fed. sheet. 
Fuck. Whip it to the Fed. Whip it to the Fed. <laughs> Yo, Jerome, I need some, some money to invest in China. Okay, I think we do that now. I need some liquidity. As long as it's through some sp- special purpose vehicle, I think that's in our charter. Anyway, I'm getting into things I don't know about. Um, All right, let's get creative. No, yeah, I was just, I've, I've just been thinking lately, like, um, you know, there, there's an element of investing that, you know, is like the value bent that's like always look at the downside. But I think the other side of things is like being creative enough to see the upside when the world is pricing something as if it's going to die and trying to fathom, like everybody sort of understands what a Monte Carlo simulation is, but I've been trying to get my brain to think through what a Monte Carlo sim- simulation might look like. Now, I can't do it because I'm just an idiot, right? But like, there's a lot of upside and downside possibilities. And just trying to envision the skew, and I think we saw it in mid-March, like, I, you know, people that got paid certainly uh, were helped by government action. But also, a lot of it was being able to fathom that the world was not actually going to end right away. Right. And seeing that we would get through this when it looked dark. And I think that you can bring that to uh, companies. Right. And like there's there have been pitches that have been made on, you know, I don't I mean, I can't say tailored brands because I just don't see the upside there. But but like GameStop, I mean, there's a way. uh, I don't know, but I can't see this. I mean, people aren't going to go buy suits. Right. Um, But like GameStop. Uh, it's not something that I can get into, but I can understand sort of like maybe there is a creative and, you know, outcome in the world where, uh, you know, if you think your downside's limited, sometimes I have in the past underweighted uh, the different ways that things could go. And I, I think that it's also important if you're buying one of these hyper growth companies. I mean, I know that like on this show, we always talk about like, oh, well, how do you know it's sustainable? But I think it's important to think through, you know, how that stuff can happen. And I just think that in the equity game, creativity can be rewarded in a very positive way. And you got to be careful about how you harness it. But I do think that that's some of the art of valuation. But isn't that a value? Isn't that what value investors do? Look at things close to the, the look like the markets. They don't look at the right tail enough is what Bill's saying. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, I, I think. I think that the, the when we're talking like value, right? We're talking like the traditional like grumpy value guy, right? And I think that uh, Toby's sitting right here. I could say no, I would I say I'm grumpy. I always, <laughs> dude, you know how I feel about you. I think you underweight your quality bent too much. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I like quality, but I think it's value. To say it. Yeah, this, this market. No, it's true. I but if you screen Toby's portfolio, well, the hypothetical no, the, the strategy of Toby funds. Right. Yeah. The, the second factor that it screen that it like picks up is it's quality. quality. Yeah. So it's not just like a bunch of junk. It's because I like lazy balance sheets and cash flow. That's right. Yeah. So lazy. Uh, I like That's it once they hit wrong. the refi button. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't actually uh, like that. Somewhere Chris Bloomstrom's like, God, this kid won't learn. Uh, anyway. Uh, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I oh, well. I think that uh, Burry doesn't get enough credit for his recent uh, like I think that's what Burry was doing when he's bought calls on all the Fang names. But then again, yeah, I was just sort of half shitting on Massa before, and now I'm saying credit to Burry for doing exactly the same thing. So sorry about that, but Massa, yeah, good job. 
Uh, but Burry, like, I think, I think when Burry did it is quite a bit different, if my perception is correct, from when Massa did it. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, Massa might know. be running some big Momo game, and that might make sense. But but Burry, like the, I read those I read those calls on those fang names as him hedging the right tail, which Jake and I have discussed. That might even be Jake's idea that I stole, but that's that's uh, that's his right tail hedge. Yeah, it's smart. Well, and if you know, in the the economics are different of these business. A lot of these businesses, you know, I mean, they're the returns to scale, uh, you know, and with with a zero marginal cost product, you know, digital most of these. It's it is a different game now. I'm not sure if you're priced, you know, the right odds for that game necessarily on any given day in the market. But it is a different game, and I think that's it was easy to miss that, and I missed it for a long time, um, probably till it was too late to <laughs> to do anything about it. But my question is, if Barry's not running public money, he's just running his own money. I think is he running a fund? Is he running a fund these days or a partnership? I think he does whatever he wants. But he's got to but file. I, what, I, I think know. it's his money. Do you have to most, file if, if, I, you, if you're just running your own money? I think if you're an entity, yeah. That'd be dumb. I don't know, though. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's, it seems odd. Anyway, we do know that he's filing anyways. 13 Fs are out there. If you're just an individual, why would you get the, the right tail hedge in? Why do you need the right tail hedge? Why would you care? Um, Make I don't know. There's an opportunity cost to the world getting wealthier than you. Like in in real in real wealth terms, I mean he's he's worth a couple of hundred million, isn't he? Well, maybe he wants a couple hundred more, dude. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. It's not I like mean, he's... that. That honestly could be it, right? Like maybe his maybe it matters to him what his scorecard says, and he doesn't want to lose on that particular bet. Uh, I mean, this is what I go back to when I talk about incentives. Like you got to understand, unless you're talking, in my opinion, to the person that's making the trade and you understand why they're making it, like following people into stuff just isn't the game to play. No, because you don't know why the hell they're doing it. But then there is that research that shows that the 13F investing, like that does work. You just, you got to follow all of MEB's rules, one of which is don't buy the biggest position in the 13f filing because that's the one that they've you know that's when they've had the big run on there you go rather than their best idea yeah which might be their penultimate the meb's podcast again is he still doing it um yeah i i assume so i yeah he is yeah he was traveling for a little bit meb we love you it's not that none of us don't listen I got some things I should swap out because I do like his pod. He's got a strong pod. I listen all it's the time. It's not Wire's podcast, but, you know, it's fine. The The problem is that when we went through the March lows, like I think everybody sort of went, I don't, the last thing I want to do when I'm in the gym, and there's no commute, but the last thing I want to do in the gym is listen to a bloody finance podcast. I've got to listen to pop music. That's fair. That's fair. And I haven't put yeah. them all back on the rotation yet. There's so many good ones. It's hard. I mean, you just, you just, you're going to feel like you're missing something important. Not here. Because you are. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't miss anything important here. (laughs) (laughs) At least you know the production quality is 10 out of 10 on this podcast. Yep, exactly. Timeliness. Dude, I got to tell you, though, I like our pod. I know that that's like kind of conceited, but I listen to it. And I'm like, man, I like these guys. And then part of me is like, yeah, my wife. This is my wife's biggest complaint with me. Well, I'll sit there and watch ours, and and then I'll just be laughing my ass off, and my wife will look, and then she'll just shake her head at me in a very, very uh, negative way. It's like the story of the politician's wife. Why does it work? We both love the same person. <laughs> 
Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. What a savage. Yeah. Yeah. That was a real quote. I forget whose wife said it, but yeah, she said that when when she was asked. Hillary? No, no. It was was true. So there's been a little sell-off in the market, fellas. Uh, Is it the beginning of the end? No, dude. Inning one. Or is it the end of the end? Yeah, I want to. Let's get an update on that inning yeah. one hypothesis after. Let's, I, let's, I just don't. I don't see this. Uh, it, like, um, I don't know what Barry's last name is on the on the Twitter machine, but I think Barry's a pretty thoughtful dude, and he went through this whole thing the other day about how like Fang's not all that expensive, and like I once agree Barry bails, Fang's not that then expensive. I'll, then I'll start to say that you know we're at the top, but like I don't think he. I actually like I like his feed. I think he's a thoughtful guy and I think he makes compelling arguments for why we can go a lot higher. So until I start to see and like Bloomberg today was like, oh, tech selling on valuation concerns. Valuation concerns are not a top. I mean, we're well beyond valuation concerns, aren't we? We're sort of talking technicals uh, at this point. That was 2016, maybe it's 2017. (laughs) That was a valuation concern. We top when this podcast capitulates and buys some of these names. Get some some YOLO calls on the fang. All on the sword for me. That's right. You see me take a big position in something uh, like Zoom. That's the top. I, I have had a theory that when Tesla breaks, the whole thing goes. Because I think that Tesla is the thing that is most emblematic of this market that it's a busted growth story like the growth just isn't there in the in the financials there's just no growth the financial statements are impenetrable and it's not generating cash flow it survives by by raising capital i don't know if this is it but that's kind of my my feeling um as to the fang like as i always say netflix is lucky to be in there but the the favum which is the real the good stuff um They've been pretty Netflix beaten up the last might few be days. Good man, maybe, but stop, stop, get, stop the negative free cash flow. I'll just wait. Hey, but just here's the thing: but why? Like, if you're if you're them, why would you? Like right now, like if you were running because you run out of money. Having... Yeah, but they're not going to. That's the whole point. Uh, the, at the rate that they're spending it, they might. I mean, they, uh, clearly oh, they can wait, they can control you... that a little bit. I think the difference between me and you two is I think that there is no end to what the debt market is willing to finance. Well, that's that's fair. So, Which this is, is absurd, but that is what I think. Like, the, it's not what I want to finance, but that's what I see going on, and I just don't see that changing. That's fair. That's that's my, that is entirely my bias. That I don't. I like to see companies internally financed. I think that I've been in the market for long enough that I've seen those moments when big companies go to try to refinance, and the debt market seizes up, and then the shit hits the fan. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I just would never want to put myself in that position. I would never want to have a company that does that. It just makes. I'll tell you what. I I think Netflix could do cash flow. I think they could generate cash flow if they wanted right now, as it is. But uh, just stop spending. I, I, I have poked some fun at Zoom, partly because I like to poke my counterparty in this bet. But one thing that's interesting about that is you can see the. Uh, the cash flow inflection up on some of these companies once the growth either outstrips the growth spend or the spend sort of slows. I mean, that was an interesting peak in the financials. Um, so, I think Netflix is know. a little bit different though, because it's the other thing, the other companies are, you know, Microsoft has recurring revenue for one product, you know, one suite of products, really. Um, Amazon, absolute beast. Google, absolute monster. Uh, Facebook similarly 
are a little bit more fad driven. But then you've got Netflix has kind of got this rotting produce that it produces every year that it's got to shift. And if it yeah. doesn't, like it's not like it, none of that stuff keeps particularly well. No, I dig. I mean, there's there's a very legit case to be made that there's a lot of maintenance spend in what some people would say is growth and that, you know, I do find it interesting that some of these like older companies, you know, take the take the shot to actually invest through the income statement and they just get like the shares just get puked and it's like, <laughs> oh, earnings have been done. Like, screw these people. Meanwhile, like some of these growthy names can just like blow capital and as long as the top line is going people are like ah it's fine like they're just investing through the income statement it's like what wait a second has walmart managed to transition do you think is it being regarded more with like walmart plus and buying jet yeah they're still tipping money out the door on that thing it's like burning a billion dollars a year something like that yeah walmart plus is a good idea um i don't know yeah for some of these it's like how big do you have to get to finally get to some scale where you're profitable? Like you would have thought it would have happened already. Yeah. I don't know. You're talking about the globe. I mean, I, I, yeah. I have conflicting opinions on this because on one side there's like the finance guy in me that wants to see the profit. And then there's the other side that's like, if I was running these companies, I would not stop pressing the advantage right now. I'd probably issue more shares than these companies are issuing. Like I'd, I'd probably try to get a little bit more cash for a rainy day. But I understand spending lazy, lazy a lot. balance sheet. Yeah, I'd have I'd have an aggressive, aggressive income statement and a pretty lazy balance sheet given the facts on the ground. Well that was the Bruce Wasserstein, you know, Bruce Wasserstein, who was an investment banker, one of the great investment bankers of his day, only passed away in the last five years or so, I think. He used to have this talk that he would give that apparently was like when you find, when you trying to get the CEO to do the deal, you got Bruce in as the, at the last moment and Bruce said in this industry, there's going to be one winner, and that winner is going to pay up an astronomical amount of money to buy second place or whatever, and thereafter it won't matter. And so basically, here's your moment to be great, and this is why you're going to spend more money <laughs> than you can possibly imagine to do this deal, which is I mean, great if you're an investment is, banker. Well, on the other side, though, is you look at what Buffett and Munger did with the Buffalo News, like they basically did that to torpedo the competition out of the market, right? I mean, so if you were looking at the at the income statement, the cash flows, that thing did not look good for a little while. But the the profit on the back end was worth it. So even those guys have have gone a little bit nuts in that game at times. But you know, it's it's had to make sense on the back end. All right, folks, throw your do questions have, in. Do we have Jay Powell to blame for all this shitty Netflix content? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> that's yeah, that's basically my that's my take. <laughs> connect the dots how can they spend so much money and have it all be so bad that's what i want to know (laughs) there's some good netflix stuff i haven't watched netflix in a long time though there's some good netflix content i I haven't watched in a long time no it's uh, just so much shit why would i just wait to get the good youtube's free i mean they pay nothing they pay it after the fact that's because they load our videos with ads and don't give us anything (laughs) send me our money google come on i didn't i did enjoy on netflix recently the uh Inside Bill's brain. I thought I was getting inside oh, yeah. Brewster's brain, but it wasn't. It was that. Bill Gates. Oof. Actually, it's pretty good. Pretty well done. Uh, here's a question: um, Is Buffett a dollar bear? Buffet. Phoebe Buffet. 
I mean, those guys have been concerned about the deficit for a really long time, so I don't see why they wouldn't be concerned now. He's been worried about inflation for 50 years now. Has he been wrong? I don't know. I'm not sure. He wrote wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I forget when, but 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I think, yeah. Was it monetary emissions or something like that? That's it, yeah. Somebody says here SAS valued at 20 to 40 times. Athria? Is that Ram, Ram, Ramkumar? Okay, I'm sorry that I messed up your name. But anyway, what I would say is uh, be careful, I think, about just looking at revenue multiples and translating it across industry. I, I like to price things off gross profit. Uh, it's a little, little bit truer to me. Like... Uh, I <clears throat> we used to bank a commodity company, so this is some of my bias. But we were sitting in a in a meeting, and the the guy was like, "Everybody loves revenue. If I wanted to be a five billion dollar company, I could do it tomorrow." He's like, <laughs> "I don't give a shit about revenue. You don't get paid on that." Um, so sometimes you, know, you do. Keep that in mind. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, opinion on TLT puts to hedge against rising rates. TLT is the ten year treasury. Uh, ETF puts on it so it would have to fall yeah to hedge against rising rates I think the thing about TLT is that it tends to rally when the market crashes and so you gotta you gotta eat that first so TLT well, wouldn't is just buying tough. gold be an easier hedge probably gold miners get the I think, lever- that, I think that idea is potentially overcomplicating it Uh, know, there's nowhere to hide right now. There's, it's all financial repression. I don't have good thoughts on Discovery. I don't have them. I don't. There's something about Zaslav that I don't like. Yeah. I think it's his parties and his pay. <laughs> uh, Slack as the next Microsoft? I'm going to fade that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about the thesis a little bit. Though. The thesis would be that Slack becomes the new platform and then you use everything else off Slack somewhat in the way that Microsoft Windows is the platform. And I guess they, where do they make most of their money these days? Microsoft. Well, it's Excel. everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, it's, the whole, it's the whole system. You got the Azure. The problem with Slack is I know a couple CEOs, not enough, but a couple, they all fucking hate Slack. They're like, all my employees do is bug me with useless stuff. It wastes everybody's time. Like, use email. Now, maybe they're stodgy old men that don't understand where the world is going. But in my mind, if you can't get CEOs to buy in, Slack's going to have an upward battle. And that is based on nothing but anecdote and probably a stupid take. So discount it for what it's worth, which was nothing. That's a tough yeah, one. I mean, this this gets at back to the question of are our cities over with, and you know, are we all working from home? And if so, then maybe Slack has some appeal that in that in that world. Um, and I'm not sure where I fall on that. Like, there's some pretty good arguments either way that you know we might go back to a more normal world when we can. But once again, that's like the Buffett line. You don't have to know which car company is going to win to be short the horse. There, there are ways to short horses here without having to pick slack. And as Dave Taggart's got it in the 
I don't, I don't want to put it up because I've got a comment here I want to ask you guys about, but Teams is adding more users than Slack. I tried to use yeah. Teams. It was bloody hard to use. <clears throat> Slack was Slack was much easier to use. I actually gave, I, I think I had to record a podcast on it and I did it once and then I deleted it from the computer in rage. <laughs> from Teams? Teams. Just too hard. I don't know what it is about Microsoft. Like They think that everybody's got all day to log in. Same with Skype. Like Just a garbage login experience. All right, here's, here's yeah. a question. Why does Buffett dislike NYC banking? Bankers clearly thinks BAC will be the next winner from the banking sector. What's his analysis based on? I don't think that the New York City thing has much to do with anything. He bet on JP Morgan, and that's a pretty New York City bank. Right? I mean, now you can say, well, he sold it, but it's not as if, like, he, uh, I don't know. It's not like he didn't like it. He just, I think he likes Bank of America more now for some reason. Ask him. <laughs> you guys got any views? No. I don't. I, my strong opinion, and I hate going at Buffett, but I don't, he may have a good reason to sell Wells Fargo that I am completely blind to and I'm a moron. And I will acknowledge that. Their opinion of Wells Fargo is not something that I hold in strong regard given how wrong they have been for so long. And Charlie really went to bat for Tim Sloan and that guy was a worthless sack of shit. I mean, he destroyed that company. And if you think I'm wrong, that's, go that's read Bill's personal opinion. No, fuck that. That's that does bad. not represent go the opinion the of the podcast. Documents. Read the congressional documents. That guy ruined that bank, and he put it in the position that it's in. That bank is not in problems because of what they did. They're in trouble because of what they didn't do to fix it, and that guy's the reason. And, like, you know what? Screw him. So uh, the idea that they liked him and now have some problem with Scharf, who came in and implemented a lot of the suggestions that actually address the congressional problems— because he doesn't want to move from New York because he loves his family. Like, I get out of here, man, with that nonsense. And now they're betting on Bank of America. Moynihan did the same shit. He didn't move down to their headquarters. And they had a lot of problems when he took it over. So I have a lot of problems with this analysis and why doesn't he like Sharf living in New York. I, I think people aren't seeing what's really going on. Or he's not. One of the two. It's my strong opinion of the day. Um, yeah, I like it. Make that a regular segment. I don't I don't like to go at him and they're so smart and it doesn't feel right but like I really do think if that's what's going on here they're wrong. Everybody else says teams is easy to use so I take it back. I'm I'm an idiot. Uh which <laughs> I can't even sell a fucking coffee cup. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm cursing a lot. What what do you guys think about the big oils and what components would establish a floor in value? It's crazy how small big oil is in I mean yeah. little oil now. In the in the index, <laughs> baby oil. <laughs> it's like four or five percent. It's it's kind of comical. Like Exxon used to be forty percent all by itself. I mean, by which, definition, it's got to be cheap enough at some point, right? Like I know we're only in a compounder world, but I don't see oil going away over the next twenty twenty five years. That's basically and that's the way probably I feel. really aggressive. I've got. A I think bit. a lot of this. A lot of this anti-oil stuff is like very first world looking down on what developing world needs to get better, right? It's like, oh, well, we sucked all the resources out. Now you guys have to deal with all the problems. It's like if you were in the developing world, you'd be like, no, I'm using oil to do what you did because we can't eat. 
Yeah. Nice. Very convenient of you to pull up the ladder into the treehouse <laughs> yeah, since you climbed right. up there. Yeah. Oh, and then you want to sell me the technology? Yeah, that sounds like a great deal for me. Yeah. You're right, though. That's, I mean, energy consumption is the prime mover of, of society and, you know, wealth, really, and material, you know, your experience. So the idea that, you know, we as Americans get to have like, you know, 2x or maybe even more the average uh, human on the planet. And that's just the way that it has to be. And no one else gets to like, that's, that's pretty, it's not very cool. That's why you have the big Navy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the smart move. Well, yeah, I don't know. Can you hedge your oil with like defense contractors? Although it's kind of the same bet. Like you go bomb something in the Middle East, the price of oil probably goes up, right? It's hard I to see how it gets out know. of its own way at the moment. I don't it just. Know. I, I, I There's got to be some companies in there that that have value. I mean, Midstream's got some value. I think. It's, Buffett seems to think so too. It's amazing how volatile it was. So like it's, I've seen, I think in the last 10 or 20 years, there's been two trips to $100 and back. Like it's not yeah. hard to imagine that we go to $100 again, yeah. at least. Like peak oil, that peak oil thing, like that was, that was pervasive. And it wasn't that long ago. It was between five and 10 years ago. It was just assumed that oil was just going to get exponentially expensive exponentially more yeah. expensive and the 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 you know the, it had to be do increasingly heroic things to dig it up to suck it out of the deep water drilling which is why like and the, like they're multi-billion dollar projects to suck that stuff out of the ground i mean do we just get really good at that all of a sudden surely we're consuming more than we were 10 years ago as a globe yeah, yeah. we've got to be run yeah yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe not right now. I, mean, if, I don't know. If you like a if you like a gold miner, especially like a lev, we've kind of joked about this before on the show, but like take a levered gold miner, and they you know they owe dollars, let's say, and they're able to take gold out of the ground and then pay back with increasingly uh, worthless dollars, and like it's sort of an interesting thing happening there. Hmm. I don't see the big difference between a levered oil company either. Like yeah. you're basically taking something out of the ground and you're paying back that debt with increasingly worthless dollars. You're sort of making the same implicit bet. Somebody says hmm. here cheap capital equals cheap oil. Yeah, that's probably fair. That makes sense. Right, you get a lot of a lot of dumb guys. I mean, well, not dumb guys, probably smart guys playing a smart game, just dumb financing, uh, you know, to incentivize production. Uh, the one it, thing on Bank of America and Wells that I didn't recommend or that I didn't say, like Bank of America is going to have a big relative scale advantage coming out of this, and they do have more non-interest revenue. So I get the bet. If that's why they're diverting funds, I get that. I just don't. I take problems with the New York thing. I got an interesting one here. What do you think about Ackman SPAC buying Bloomberg? There's only one place for Bloomberg. It's Berkshire. Berkshire. Yes. But do you, do you, he doesn't get to do like you don't get you don't get the silly premium if you sell the Berkshire. You might for that business. Does Bloomberg care? Like it's he's like it's forty five billion dollars. Uh, if it's fifty five or forty five, makes almost no difference. 
I I mean, look, if I was Bloomberg, I would really sell to Buffett 100%. I mean, I think it's the perfect asset in that entity. What about and Baby Buffett into his spec? I, I mean, I, I got love for Ackman. I would not trust that Ackman would allow my entity that I built to be run in the same way that it has been built in the same way that Buffett would. Why would Bloomberg ship it? Only if he was trying to run for president, right? Well, how much, I mean, how after much Trump, why sell? Just put it in back. some blind trust. Yeah, Bag attack could raise the funds. You could, you'd have to raise more. But I think he's got four in there at the moment, right? But if you say we're doing a deal, we're we're buying Bloomberg, we're going to go back to the market for another twenty. You probably get oh, that yeah, done. Oh yeah, you can raise it for sure. Just I'm telling you, that asset belongs in Berkshire. It'd be Berkshire's. a great business. Probably. I mean, if it, it would be a nice cap for Bloomberg, but why would you? Why would Bloomberg sell at this point? Yeah, I don't think he will. What are you going to do? You, 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 like the only thing the. Presidency was the only kind of the only the only like it's probably a step down, but like the only possible job that he could do that's not running Bloomberg would be like it probably I mean, wouldn't look, have as much influence. I I guess if if you were him and you wanted to leave your family a more diversified set of assets, I think that there is one genius in the entire world that can figure out how to get that done for you and minimize your taxes. And that's Buffett. Yeah, flip it into get get it back in Berkshire stock. That's a no brainer, right? That's right. You can get it pretty tax advantaged, and you basically put your family into a uh, S and P fund with a really really good capital allocation. I mean, that's, to be I mean, that is what I would do. To be fair, though, it's not like you know, like Bloomberg's descendants are going to be ruined for forever. Like even where they are now, his grandkids grandkids are going to be. Yeah, no doubt. Idle rich. I'm telling you what I do. So there's the the question that everybody wants to know, uh, Jake, Mustache. You've gone full lumber sexual. I, I I liked you. I liked you. We had we had Sergeant uh, Detective Detective Jake from the Sacramento PD on last weekend. Yeah. Now now you've gone uh, plaid. I'm yeah. I'm Lieutenant Dangle. Right <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, on that note, folks. What was that show on HBO with the it was like kind of weird. You could be on that show. You're creeping me out a little. I, I think like it looks it, great, man. I think it looks great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like for entertainment. It might only have like one it. more week left in it. It's it's the <laughs> fair amount of itchy factor. I mean, it's it's not long for this world. Grow it out. <laughs> make it make it big. See how big you can get it. You're not allowed to shave it until value starts outperforming. Oh, Christ. <laughs> this is a... <laughs> do the, do the uh, uh, Jesse Felder. Yeah. All right, fellas, we we made it. Sorry, folks, we were running so late today. That was entirely my fault. Uh, turns out you got to reinstall everything when Skype updates and Skype updates every week. Every time I turn it on, new version of Skype. Every hour. Every hour. Don't expect us back tomorrow at the right time or next week. We're going to try. <laughs> yeah, but just, you know, carve out a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> we're, a, we're like the cable guy. I mean, from like 8 to 5, keep that window open. That's right. We're live somewhere between 1 and 4 Eastern. All right, folks, that was fun. Next week, ciao. Take care.